This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hi guys! Welcome back to another episode of The Alter Tapes. It is Jazz, 40 ounce connoisseur, one half of Girl That's Scary, joined by Nicole Gogol. Hello! Yes, yes, this is, uh, I'm one of the newer uh, co-hosts here at The Alter Tapes and super excited to be here and talk about this wild short yes today we are talking about changeling 2021 which is clearly on alter as always and it is directed by marie claire kush cushioning cushioning wow hope i didn't mess that up too bad and um ryan o'neill and the writer is marie claire cushioning and also the writers i mean the directors are also starring in the film it's a very small cast and there is not a lot of dialogue and if you're into folk horror I know some of the girls out here. I'm looking out into the crowd, into the stars. I know you guys enjoy some folk horror. This is it. If you enjoy folk horror, changeling stories. Okay. It's stories about drama or kind of psychological situations because it doesn't it make it very clear if it is or if it isn't. But then as we continue to discuss the reactions of everyone else in the film... It, it implies something else. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. And we're going to spoil it. It's a short. It's about 24 minutes, 23 minutes mm-hmm. or so. Check it out. It's worth checking out. And it looks very well done. Like production value wise, it looks, you know, I don't know what these people are recording on or how these movies. I'm like, this looks almost like if this was longer, this would be a feature film. Ooh, this looks good. <laughs> looks good. Yes, absolutely. It looks absolutely stunning. And it is set in Ireland. So you have just this beautiful, stunning backdrop. Um, So yeah, it's extremely, extremely well shot. And they really, I think, have a great way to kind of utilize their space because they don't, it's not a very like vast film in terms of having us go to a bunch of different locations, etc. So they really do make use of what they got. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of locations or anything. And it's not very bright and colorful. This film, the color-wise, it seems very like, you know something bad is going to happen. Yeah. As you are looking at it, you're like, mm, this this feels like Dread. Like, if you just open, like, the color palette of Dread, this would be <laughs> it. It's like gray, brown. Like, everything feels, like, washed down. Like, the color is just draining. But... Again, you could tell we were following this couple, like it's just them and a baby. And they don't talk. All you hear is the baby crying. Now, I don't know about y'all. I am not a mom. I have 13 nieces and nephews. I'm okay. I don't need any, but I have under like just a couple hours of a baby crying. Like if they're sick or if they're teething or, you know, they're just crying. There's no TV. There's nothing but the wind mm-hmm. and the baby crying. And you can see the expression like the mom is like, like one more hair and she looks like she goes snap. That That's what it seems like. No, absolutely. And I think especially in like the first, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of the short, 10 to 15 minutes, because it does kind of shift a little bit towards the end there's not a lot of dialogue there's literally you can count the lines of dialogue probably on one hand to two um so but i love that the music is just really i think a standout as well but i love how the baby's crying is 
both so intense, but also natural. Like this sounds like a damn crying baby that just won't stop. It's not like hysterical. It's not, there's nothing like amped up about it. And that I think just really, as you're listening to it for those 10 to 15 minutes, and it just seems to kind of ratchet up, we really do get locked in to, I think the, the, (coughs) our main character woman is, I think her name is Margaret. And we're really locked into kind of her mindset and be like, yeah, if I had to do this day after day after day after day, um, I would feel the fray. Yes, you could tell. And then, of course, because I also thought about, they don't, you know, they don't talk much. The most they talk is when the husband, later towards the end, when the husband comes in and you don't hear any crying. It almost is like the crying of the baby is kind of drowning out everything else. So, like, there is no talking. There is no discussion. You don't, you see him come in, drop, you know, he's probably gathering, hunting, buying supplies they could eat. They don't say nothing they just come in put it down all right and it's a baby crying just constantly but then once he comes in and brings its things in and the baby's not crying now they're like oh that's not enough oh where the baby like that's the most i've heard them say to each other the entire movie because you had to wait for there not to be a baby crying i wonder if it was like putting a wedge in between them you know because that's stressful and i know that babies it's not their fault they're just a baby they're just a baby they're doing their best they could be sick uh it could be anything especially it's setting like 18 something i think so it's not like current so that baby could have been sick there's no doctor to really see like oh your baby's a little colicky you know and they'd they be all right but they go cry there's nothing you can do you can't put them in no car ride she's just holding the baby and rocking the baby a little bit like i don't know what else to do next but eventually you know you see him go out he's like the first time I saw him go out and he was like listening to someone else singing, I'm like, so you out partying? Like he wasn't out partying. Okay. But I'm like, she's sitting at home by herself in the dark because clearly candlelight rocking this crying baby and you drinking, you out here drinking a brew with your bros and they singing songs. Hmm. I'm staring off into the abyss. Yeah. I'm already mad. <laughs> well, and I think there's a, a the, like you said, this is set in, I think, like 1878. And in, in Ireland, so this is really the backdrop of the, you know, this is kind of um, allegory, a connection to the potato famine. And um, you, he's out uh, getting food and supplies and he mentions you know she kind of looks at him and says that's all you got and he says hey inflation is real and now and this is what this is what we could get so you're starting to see i think not just the strain of new parenthood because this baby we don't get an age but the baby is young um so you got new parents um and you've got these really um kind of turbulent um kind of social um, things happening as well that I think just kind of push things even deeper and even farther and even because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like she's sitting here dealing with the baby by herself alone that's already one stressful activity right yeah. and then of course there's no food then the husband's gone on because he probably has to be out longer working harder to get more just to get little and also I think that hunger can affect you psychologically so oh, if you're yeah. not eating enough you're not getting enough nutrients and I'm not going to spoil anything for those of Everybody out here listening who doesn't or does not watch Yellow Jackets, but there's a situation where you don't know if the hunger is causing certain behaviors or not. Because, yes, it's cold. It's lonely. The baby's crying. You don't know where you're getting your next meal. If you can get enough food, you're isolated and you might be starving. You might be Mm -hmm. starving. 
All of those things pretty much drive Margaret to be like, you know what? I don't know what's going on. Like one day I'm like, and I had to rewind it. She's holding the baby. She looked down and the baby don't look like a regular baby. It looks like the screen, like the still of what we see in the film. And I'm like, what's that? What's that? Because usually with a changeling film, which is usually a little bit different than what I usually expect. They have a kid, kids regular, happy, living their best life. Something happens and then the kid is different. That is the usual way kind of that changeling stories go, except for the OG changeling. That one was a little different. Well, I don't know if it's the OG from 1980, whatever. But usually there's, you there you see a swap. You mm-hmm. see it. It's a very clear cut situation. This one is not. Like, I don't know. Like, you see her go out. You see a little blood. I'm like, did you take a baby? Did you not take it? Did you sacrifice it? What did, what happened? And of course, you, they don't say anything. So you're left to, you know, mull on it internally. But when the husband comes in and sees that baby not moving, he's like, the baby is dead. What's going on? Yeah. This is not, this is not our baby. <laughs> yeah. That, you're so right. And I think this was part of, I had to go back and watch it a couple of times too, because it, there's a haziness and this is something I really appreciate, but also hate with an unbridled passion about films like this is that you begin to kind of like, all right, well, what is real? What are we seeing? How is this connected to what we understand as fact? Um, And so, yeah, he comes in and is quiet and we realize that the baby is dead. And then he starts she she starts talking about how the baby will come back. And I think this is where you get the changeling, perhaps, component. She's like, oh, no, the baby will be back. And he's like, mm, probably not. No, no, don't think so. And so he, <laughs> he takes it over to um, someone's house. I don't know if he was like some kind of like religious kind of figure in this community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was because he was like, that can't go in, um, what's the word, like sacred ground? He consecrated was like, that can't ground. Go in, so, yeah, oh, there you go. He was like, that can't go in, uh, uh, uh. he was like, no, I don't, that's why we don't see the, we don't see what the actual baby looks So I'm like, is this the thing we saw or did she mutilate this baby not knowing what happened? Like, because I'm not super religious. I don't know if it's, because I know that, you know, trigger warning, if you know, you when someone takes their own life, they wouldn't, bury you if it's like Catholic or something like that. But I'm like, well, the baby is innocent. What you mean you can't take the baby? It's a baby. (laughs) So that's why I'm like... Like you said, what's real and what's not? Because I'm like, something real happened and something so real happened that people are looking at that baby and like, no, nah, we're not burying it. I don't know what that is. You're on your own, buddy. Well, and then there's that one guy who I don't think we're like properly introduced to when he's out, when um, the husband, father is out getting food and doing his business. There's this other guy who lives kind of out, um, kind of like in... <laughs> in kind of this wilderness area and they seem to have an established relationship in that when they're out there they meet up and he shares his food this guy and he's younger um he has no food so he shares and so he's carrying around this dead baby and this guy runs up on him literally like engulfs him like goes full on piggyback uh to the guy and is like give me your food because he thinks that this dead baby is food and then he knocks him over the dead baby gets tossed to the ground he goes to like get it to get the food and he's like oh nope and goodbye and we're we're good so yeah we never see what um the baby actually looks like the the thing that you see in the, the screen grab um, and the little moment that you see her with the baby um, that looks different. I feel, <laughs> and I could be wrong, I feel like it kind of looks 
like a, a baby that's kind of malnourished and withered away. Very like sunken in, hollow, mm -hmm. almost skeletal in appearance. And so I think that that goes back to the struggle of not being able to feed themselves and its baby. Mm -hmm. Which is something else that, again, another something else connected to the yellow jackets. Not going to get into it. But that could be the thing. Just because they're not eating enough food, if she's not getting nutrients, it's going to be very difficult for her to produce milk. And there is no formula. There is nothing else, you know, to really give to and babies, especially young babies. I don't know. Again, we don't know how young. We know that this is a loose neck baby. Okay. This is not a baby that can sit up by themselves. The baby's not really cooing too much. It's not crawling. It's not doing any belly stuff. Okay. So I feel like the baby is between one to six months. Okay. The baby is very young. And you see this thing where, I don't know, we don't know if she's dreaming or she actually went outside, but you see a flash of her standing here in a white gown around the trees. And it looks like blood, but it looks like it's right around the breast area. And I wonder if this is a dream where she can't, it could be a nightmare. She can't produce. So it's like nothing but blood is coming out or yeah. it's just, it could be that she was feeding that baby and feeding that baby. And that baby just did not get fed and did not get enough nutrients. And it just died. And she was like, oh, the baby cool. We'll talk about it. Yeah. The baby's all right. <laughs> I'm like, no, the baby's not all right. No. And Everyone but her seems to know this, but she keeps saying that the baby is going to come back. And you you hit on a really important thing, which in thinking about the film, we never actually see her feed the baby. We never see her like breastfeeding the baby or with the baby. So, you know, some babies have real difficulty with breastfeeding for a multitude of reasons. We know nothing about this, just that there's a baby and two parents and times are real messed up so who knows it could be a lot of different issues but yeah i when i see the baby i think it looks really like emaciated and um and it's just you know you think about um i know that uh i did um school abroad in ireland and there's you know you learn a lot about that history of you know, the death of, of folks uh, during that time. And it's just really awful stuff. <laughs> so I I think there's just so many of these little things at play that really make you feel fully immersed in this world. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You feel isolation. You feel like, oh, it's barren. Like you feel that. You feel that. Um, just like that dreadful feeling, the color, everything. You're just sitting here. I wonder also, they're not talking. I'm like, are y'all too hungry to talk? And that's, I'm not making a joke like, no, y'all are so hungry. Y'all not even saying nothing to each other. Like, everyone's just mad because I know when I get hungry, I'm irritated. So imagine being hungry for days, weeks, like you're only eating enough so you can live and not pass away and like or waste away. So everything is happening. Everything negative is happening in this case. Yeah, it's like hangry to a whole different tier. And I think that that is what you start. I definitely think that that's what you start to see as, you know, I think there's a very, I don't know if there's like a definitive moment. It might be the moment that we see her. And again, you don't know <laughs> if this is, if there's any reality to this. Um, and we'll definitely get into that when we talk about the very ending. Cause I, I don't know. Um, but when you see her with the blood holding the the figure um there's like it's just there's really something about it that feels like you just feel like the environment you feel just the cold because they're by the sea you see her on the cliff um and it is it's just these really small moments um and 
the shots, how they're composed and arranged, I think really just put you there, which I think is so, so lovely and just really makes this short, I think, feel very visceral. Yes, definitely visceral, very real also. So it's not like this super fantastical thing. A lot of times when we think of changeling, there's some kind of, you know, fantastic, not fantastical, but fantasy element. Mm -hmm. She even mentions fairies, but we don't see any fairies. Those fairies could be very well, you know, in her brain right now. So we don't know what's going on. Yeah. But we do know that baby is gone. He comes, the husband is like, once he argues with her, like, not argue, but he takes the baby and he buries the baby himself. He's like, we got to bury the baby. And she's like, what did you do? You did what? So then, you know, she, I already knew when he started hugging her, she was like, you messed up. You done done too much. You done done too much. I'm about to take you out. She knocks him out and pour, I think it's alcohol. Like she pours on him and yeah. pours it on him and sets him ablaze. She's like, don't worry. I'll get my family back, boo. And the whole house is on fire. So you don't got no baby. You don't have a husband. Your house is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes like over to the ocean, to the sea. It's like, all right, guys, where y'all at? Hey. And no one comes. But we we only get it for a short amount of time. So we don't know if someone were to come later, how long she's there, if anything shows up. But we do know that for the time being, what we see with our eyes, nothing comes. No one comes back. So she's really alone. And she's she's probably going to starve because who's going to go out and get the food and stuff? Yeah. Um, And this was the thing that I also... So there's... um, So after she knocks out her husband, says she's getting the family back, we see their home burning to the ground i wonder is she like is that little end sequence of her by herself walking out there towards the seaside is that real or did she die in the fire too i don't know i don't know because we don't see her walking from the fire because that roof is on fire that house went ablaze fast like she would have had to leave immediately i just don't Um, i just don't think that she would have been able to i think that she i think at this point we i think for me, I think it's one of those things that you see in films where it's like the, the post-death fantasy, the post-death hallucination, the whatever. Um, because I think that she's just like, I have nothing. And the only way to have anything is death. We, Our situation is dire. My child is dead. And it's somewhat implied, um, but there's never any detail about how this child died. So she could have snap child's neck she could have mutilated the child she could have done a thousand different things or the baby just could have starved and so i think it's just you know we there there's nothing and we're just now going to die and you know going into what you were talking about with the fairies and you know just any kind of belief of things you know maybe it's like well when we're dead higher being heaven will be reunited and maybe that's what she's talking about i don't know but to me it seems even darker than that because you she think if she died of that fire and she went out to the sea and nobody there i'm like baby you might be in the bad place because you killed <laughs> You might, your your family might be in the good place and you might be in the bad place, girl. I don't know. Or they might put you in purgatory because yeah. they know that you weren't yeah. right and it's not your fault all the way. But ah, if we're in the afterlife and your family not there, y'all are in two different places. And we know that baby didn't go to the bad place. That baby didn't do nothing to nobody. That baby just got here. Yeah. Okay, that was a loose neck baby. They just <laughs> got here. You, I don't know, girl. So it leaves a lot in the air, which is kind of good because it's a lot to discuss. I wonder how this would have played out as a feature film. Will we have seen a little bit more of, you know, what led to maybe them being hungry? 
street, learning more about the people around them. Mm-hmm. How close are they? And maybe more circumstances of this famine that, you know, in this particular area. And I also want to know, like, conclusively, did she kill that baby? <laughs> or no, I need to know. I need someone to come down and like, as a judgment and judge her. So, hey, welcome back. You're in purgatory and this is why. Oh, all right. I would love that. Not for the short. That's ridiculous. But, you know, for, for feature films or if they were just give, to write a little blurb that I could read. I'm like, okay, so this is what happened. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think I, I agree with all of that for a feature film because that's really where you could, you know, add more. You could build more into this community because they are isolated, but they're around other people. There are other people around. So you could, you know, get more of those relationships established and dig more into, um, you know, the societal things happening, uh, dig more into like the potato famine and, and things. But also I think you could spend a little bit more time um, establishing the relationship of the couple prior mm-hmm. to the baby, um, mm. which I think would be an interesting thing and really, I think, make that ending even more of a gut punch of she's she's gone. And the fact that she just, you know, I, if we take that very ending as any kind of reality, she just straight up murdered her family, um, her husband. And again, implied, but not explicitly um, shown that she may have killed the baby. And she now, like you said, this is the bad place of having now to live with that, having no home, no one there as support, um, and just a new um, kind of set of really, I think, horrible circumstances. So I think there's so many ways that you could play with all of those knobs in a feature film. And even add more, I'm, I really love... Um, horror that brings in cult and religion um, because I think it's just a really fascinating reflection of so many different aspects of society and I you know I would love to have that kind of be expanded onto I yeah there's so much potential Yes, definitely a lot of potential. And of course, with folk horror, they could take a little more fantasy in it. You know, we never know where they could take that story. Because a lot of times, sometimes we get a short, and then when they turn into a feature, they will make some changes. So it's not quite exactly like the short. The short is like, here's the concept. Okay, final product. So I would definitely like to see more of that. I also like a little bit of folk horror, not going to lie. And I kind of like Changeling stories. So I'm like, ooh, what y'all do with this baby? Let me see. (laughs) But yes, guys, if you... (laughs) want to check out the change again it's on altar altar is free there are so many shorts available there now before we head out okay um i'm gonna let nicole tell you guys where to find her so let the people know where they can find you in any of your work yes so i am over at the anatomy of a screen feed and i host bodies of four the uh podcast that looks at all of our favorite horror films from the classic classic the camp to the cringe through the lens of disability so um you can check me out over there i'm also on twitter right now um i go on and off of twitter like it's a pair of socks um so i'm there now and you can find me at 
Bodies Horror. All right, excellent. And you guys can find me at Girl That's Scary pretty much anywhere, um, especially on Twitter while it's here because it's clearly on fire. So <laughs> next week, I think um, I will be hosting, well, I will be talking to Zero with another short. I don't know what short it is because I'm recording this so far in advance, but <laughs> you guys will probably hear my voice again next week. But thanks for tuning in. And until next time, guys, bye. Bye. Scream Pod Squad.